In this episode of the Encourage Inspire podcast, I'm joined by model, actress, author, blogger, and former editor-in-chief, as well as businesswoman Alexina Brown. You know, Alexina and I, um, we go way back, man, uh, a few years, and she is just an ama- such an amazing person. Uh, we got connected because of her, initially because of her publication, Brash Magazine, and how she was allowed me to feature a few of my artists, as well as eventually featuring me, allowing me to tell my story. Um, and that was such a, a blessing for me. It was led to so many other amazing things. But she's had such an amazing uh, journey from growing up in a small town, making Georgia, to had going to Atlanta for um, where she got started doing, not only doing some modeling work, as well as um, she's an actress and has been on several shows. Even going back to modeling, she's done some amazing print work and been featured in several um, magazines that span the globe. Um, she also has a master's degree in entertainment business management from Intercontinental University. And she really credits that as being able to help her navigate the entertainment business and how that works. Um, and because it really has given her the ability to use the knowledge that she has had. She very, she is definitely uh, a sorority, a uh, member of a sorority, I believe, called Zeta Phi Beta. You know, um, she says that has really helped her in terms of being able to navigate how to build relationships. Uh, we talk about going to have the ability to be a part of, you know, uh, a black sorority and going on and being around black people, how that has affected her in such a positive way, as well as the work that she, like I said before, that she's done as an actress, but as well as why she even wanted to start Brash Magazine and what that really was all about, and also the work that she did with a company called, her company called Fearless Vision Marketing, and so much more, guys. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. What's going on, guys? Welcome to another episode of the Encourage Inspire podcast, it's episode number 43. And uh, I got a really, really special guest and friend of mine, been rocking for quite a few years now, Alexina Brown, with me today. What's going on? How you doing? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm, 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 I'm doing well. I'm excited for this because you and I have been friends for quite a few years. And, yeah, it's been uh, some years. We're racking up the years now. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, and, and we're born a day apart from each other. Exactly. So yeah. we got that Sagittarius vibe. Right. We're literally <laughs> one day apart from each other. You're the 25th and I'm the 24th of November. So, like, that is interesting. Yeah. <laughs> that means you're older. <laughs> right, right, right. So that's definitely that Sag life. Um, yeah, you know, you and I connected because of your publication, Brash Magazine, which, by the way, I love what you were doing with that. 
at what you're doing for the indie for the indie community of creatives and like that was just so so impressive to me of what you were able to do because it's I always tell people it's hard to get people to cover you when you're coming up you know what I mean to and to, and to get legitimate press you know everybody wants to uh, always go for the big shit but it's like when you first start out in this game there's levels to this. So you have, right. you know, when somebody's willing to do a story or let you tell your story and what, you know, that is, that's something that's really, really powerful. So, uh, yeah, that's amazing. And, you know, you were kind enough to feature me and let me tell my story a little bit. And that meant so much to me as the first time kind of I was really putting my story in the forefront. Because one thing I learned about working with artists, especially managing talent, that they come when they go and so i always want to make sure that like uh <laughs> always promote my brand and build my because artists they're gonna come and they're gonna go it's just what it is you know what i mean so but as right. somebody who wants to always work with creators i always tell people make sure you have your brand established because you know unfortunately a lot of creative people especially indie artists they think the grass is green on the other side <laughs> they really do yeah I think the and it's not. <laughs> right. And then they find, because people like me don't exist in this business. People like me, with the heart I have for, for people, they, we just, I've, I've had executives tell me this. I said, girl, like, you're better than me. Like, you're, you're better than me because for what you do, there's not a lot of people that have the heart that I have. So I try to tell people, like, when you work with me, that's you kind of spoiled because like everybody like me, right? I'm not going to do the things that I do for artists. So you know, so they have to be aware that um, cherish the people that genuinely have your back. You know what I mean? And yes. I, because once they go away, it's hard to find genuine people to come back and replace them. Because you know. Uh, that's just what it is. And if it can happen to me, I've had it happen to me where people feel like the grass is green on the other side. And then they come back and they realize that it's not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? So yeah, so you're you're absolutely amazing. And you have you wear so many hats just overall as a creator and a, and an executive and a businesswoman, like going through your bios, just impressive the stuff that you were doing from as a model, as an actress, you know, as an author, you know, blogger, and, and creative, so I mean, got so many cool things. Uh, Thank you. That going on. So yeah, I uh, I try to like do so many things in this life. You know, we only do this one time, so you have right. to kind of just get it in when you can. <laughs> right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you know, I was saying this the other day that so many people I was having a conversation with my artist Xavier Keys who covered him before and we were talking about yeah. having a partner because you know um, so he's in a bit of a situation you know and I'm going to tell him so I don't think he's going to tell him but, you know I was I was telling him because he was talking <laughs> to this girl he was trying to date they've had issues and things like that like, and, and for some reason this girl always brought brings drama to him. I'm like, dude, she is effing up the grind. Mm -hmm. And it is so important. Yeah. <laughs> like, you have to be, and I told him this, you have to be careful 
in this particular field of entertainment, that you have to pick the right partner. Because if you don't, yeah. it will fuck up everything you do. Everything. Everything you're doing. If they don't understand what it is that you do, and this young, this particular girl, you know, she just she was always drama. It's like, oh, you don't post me enough on social media. I'm like, what the fuck? I'm like, are you kidding oh me? Like, like, first of all, he's an artist. His audience is women. He's not gonna post. Like, why would he do that? That's like you don't like. There's no reason. Like you and I was I was watching interview that Lunell did the comedian. She said. People don't even I've been married for 20 years. I don't need, I don't post that you don't need to. The end of the right. day, like if you have a fan base that's predominantly women, why would you post somebody who you're not even really like you don't know where this is really gonna go? Mm-hmm. Like, why would <laughs> you just don't do stuff like that? Because when you want the women to feel like even though they know they can't get you. You want them to feel like they can't, you know what I mean? So it's, I just tell them like it's all about the image. Yeah, yeah, you can't just like like and I was telling him that she has major insecurities that got nothing to do with him. And I said, Yeah, that's what it all boils down to. For her insecurities. You can't be responsible for the things that she has going on with herself. Okay, she's every woman is not built to be with an entrepreneur or entertainer. Everybody can't do it. Everybody's not built for that. Some women want that nine to five dude. They want that guy that's gonna be the, you know. But when you're in this, and when you're in this life, this is a non-traditional life. And you, you know, you know, it's very yeah. And a lot of people they don't get they don't get that. They don't understand that like there's gonna you're gonna be gone for a long period of time. Like you're gonna miss them. That's just part of that's just what it is when you sign up for this life, what you're gonna what you're gonna experience, right? There's a lot of ups and downs. If you don't pick the right partner in the beginning while you're on the come up, right? If you notice all the celebrities who are successful, Snoop Dogg, Ice Cube, people like that, they've been with the same person since before they got famous. Right. That's, so they a, already that, that's, a, that's, that's for a reason because they know that, you know, so, you know, T.I. and Tiny, you know, because Tiny was more famous than him when they first started with Escape. <laughs> you know what I mean? But okay. they was they were with these people before they became major celebrities. So you don't have to question why they're around, what their loyalty is about, because they were with you when you didn't have nothing. You know, what mm-hmm. I mean? <laughs> and we see what happened with Dr. Dre, his ex-wife oh, tried to go get. I mean, she wanted he worked eight hundred million dollars. She wanted half. Like, why do you think you're entitled to half for that? What did you do to build? Like that that, that doesn't make any sense to me. I don't go off on a tangent, but that don't make any sense. Yeah. To me. If you ain't, if you didn't build anything, why do you think you're? Why do why do people feel like they're entitled to they didn't have nothing to do with? Where did you what did you help him make the eight hundred million dollars at? You think you think you have the half of that? That's crazy to me. That is nuts. She was she ended up walking away with a hundred million dollars. That's a hundred million. What what else do you need? Oh goodness. I mean, you want to rich for my fortune? Because you you were married to him for twenty five years or whatever it was. Like 
Did you help him make any of that money that he did? That he did? Well, what did you do? That that's that important to feel like you should get half his money. I don't understand that. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> those are things we'll never understand. You know, yeah, you never I don't know people why people feel like. <laughs> look, if you, I'm all for if you actually played a significant role helping somebody get to where they're at. I'm all for you should get a piece of that. But if you didn't really do anything for that, and you. And the part, you should you should leave the relationship what you came into it with nothing. <laughs> and I, I mean seriously, you should leave what you came into it with. You know, if you didn't, you know, if that's that person's money, and this goes on both sides, whether it's male or female, whatever you left with, right. whatever you came in with, what you should leave with. You know, that's why I, I believe in prenups. You know, go yeah. ahead and just iron it out. But. No, seriously. <laughs> No, no, no. It's important because you have to, you you hope things are going to be going to work out well, but sometimes they don't. And when you're worth that type of money, you know what I mean? When you're worth the type of money, you have to protect what you build. That's, to- that's totally fine. I don't think it, t- I don't think it takes anything away from, you know, what you, if you love that person, I don't think it has anything to do with that. It's just, this is protecting what I built before you while I'm with you and then after you. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, that's just that's just common sense to me. Anyway. <laughs> things I don't ever have to worry about. That's your TED talk for the day. <laughs> right, 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 right. So so you're from Macon, Georgia. So, so tell me about how it was like to grow up there. Like, oh, um. <laughs> you're like, uh, <laughs> ain't too much going on. <laughs> I'm a city guy, you know what I mean. So I, I don't know nothing about. I don't making it, making it, it at the ATL. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> right, um, Macon was a very interesting place. Um, it was an it's an hour away from Atlanta, so yeah. it's not far from. You know, if you want a taste of that city, right. um, it's the heart of Georgia. And right. um, for me, I didn't really have a lot of outlets creatively. Um, Of course, I was in the band and, you know, I was on dance line and I did cheerleading and stuff like that. But I always thought there was something bigger for me outside of the city limits. And I wanted to explore that. But um, being in Macon, uh, just growing up, I had, excuse me, I had a normal childhood. You know, my mom, she was always there. She came to my, you know, cheerleading games. You know, she was there. She was a school teacher. And, you know, she was always home to make sure we did our homework, she cooked our meals. You know, she we had that regular, normal uh, childhood life, which is great. And I, as I grow older, I appreciate that. Right. Because um, I just look at New York and see like what these kids are exposed to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, it's, it's, it's a whole they gotta different, yeah. They gotta grow up too quick for me. So I, yeah. I am more appreciative of my upbringings and making now that I'm exposed to more. But I just always wanted to leave. I always wanted to go because there was just something else out there yeah. for me to chase. I don't know what I wanted to chase or what I wanted to do, but I just always felt there was something else. So um, that's just kind of what I did. Like after college, I moved back home for a little bit and then I went to Atlanta right. and then I kind of got that itch again. It's something else. It's something else. And, you know, I would come and visit New York. Um, I had a friend who moved up here a couple of years before I did. Yeah. So I would come visit her. I would come for a fashion week to cover the indie fashion shows for uh, Rash Magazine um, yeah. when I was doing that. 
And then I would just walk around and just explore Manhattan. And I'm like, man, I this, this is where I need to be. So that right. kind of, it was just always that like inkling, like there's something else that just kind of led me here. No, so. I understand. <laughs> I, I get it. You know what I mean? When you're from, you know, like I said, you know, I, you know, being from a small place, not a small town, you know, I mean, I don't know what that's like. I mean, I was born in New York and then Orlando is, you know, I wouldn't necessarily call Orlando a small town. You know, most people that live here, aren't from here. The majority of people that live in Orlando aren't from here. We're usually from someplace else. Um, yeah. But yeah, you know, when you're from a small, I get it. You're like, okay, there's got to be something way, but you know, because most small towns like that, if you stay there just because it's all you know, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like nobody moves to Macon, Georgia to for, you know, because they want to. <laughs> Probably. You know what I mean? <laughs> a small town like that. Small yeah, if they're from like a like, smaller town, move. like yeah. <laughs> yeah, most people, you know, because you have some places, people move to LA because opportunity, you know, when you make moves like right. New York, LA, other places, it's usually for opportunity, you know, but usually when you're from a small mm-hmm. town and you say, it's just what you know. So and some people like the small town life. They like that, you know, yeah. everybody know their body's business, but, you know, Oh God! <laughs> I don't think you like. I like. I gotta get out of here. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, but you know, Macon will always be my home. Like it's always a place where I'm gonna have an address to go back to. But and I'm very appreciative of my city. And you know, I, the people who I kind of came up with, they're actually doing great things in the city, which is amazing. Like you know, growing up, I didn't know that you can have a career being a photographer, a career being a DJ, a career being a business owner, and now like kids. Now, they're seeing that now, so I love to see that now. Yeah. But it's just for me personally, I gotta be where the action is at. So, sure. and I mean, you got also too. When we were coming up, it was a different time. So, yeah, you didn't have social media. See, now you can build. Now, because of the internet and social media, the kids now today coming up can probably stay in a place that is small, you know, and create opportunity because the internet allows to do that. Right. But when mm-hmm. we was coming up in the, you know, teenage, you know, our teenage years, you know, you know, late, late, early 2000s, late 90s, you know what I mean? That was just a different time. You know, it was a, it was a different time. Yeah. Was, you know, you know, we thought we were doing something with the dial up internet, you know? <laughs> yeah, right. We remember them days of the dial up AOL and, and the chat rooms and AIM yeah. Messenger and all the stuff that nobody thinks about now. Right. <laughs> We don't. We remember all that. Stuff. So angry, <laughs> you know. The days where you had a cell phone, you're like, "Oh, call me after nine. Call me after seven when the minutes are free." You oh know what my I mean? gosh! <laughs> you know what I mean? You know. So, the daytime minutes were a beast. <laughs> I'm telling you, because you, you were like, you know, because now we the plans have we have unlimited plans now on our phone, but back then you did. You had minutes, and you bought X amount of minutes a month, and when the minutes was up, it was a wrap. <laughs> <laughs> it was a wrap. So yes. you uh so you go to college at Savannah State. Um Savannah State, and then you get a B a, a BBA in marketing. So mm-hmm. what made you want to what would you want to be? I mean, obviously you played a role later on in everything you're doing, but uh why'd you want to major in marketing? And I think that's true. Uh, everything in high- life really is marketing, to be honest with you. Everything we do. Is yeah, selling. everything. It touches everything. everything. Yeah, and yeah, you yeah. never really understand it. Um, when I was in high school, I was in the DECA club. Oh, and okay. it, 
it will it focused on like marketing and stuff like that. So that made that kind of like jogged the interest in it. And right. so in going to college, I learned there were so many facets to marketing. Like you don't just have to be in sales; you can be on the back end, um, yeah, creating right. things. And um, as the internet and the World Wide Web got great for businesses, once I entered the workforce. I got into digital marketing and like web producing and content management. So mm -hmm. it really touches on, like you said, it really touches everything that we have, whether you go like looking at commercials or when you're looking at billboards or yeah. um, even now with social media ads, they're, you know, bringing in influencers from TikTok to yeah. market their business. And, you know, it's, it's really a big world marketing wise. So it's like, it's so many opportunities with that. No, for sure. Yeah, marketing is everything, you know. Um, and I talk to people, I mean, people, I hate to, but we sell every day with what we post, what we share. Whether people believe it or not, we we sell everything, every single day, you know, because right now, personal brand is everything, right? Personal, personal brand long, now used to be a thing, but now it's a thing now, you know what I mean? Your personal yeah. brand. So that's marketing, you know what I mean? Like, People feel connected to you, like to your brand, you know, and and so yeah, I totally feel you on that, you know. Um, so you're you're in a you're a, you're a part of a sorority, Zeta Phi Beta sorority, that Greek life. See, I don't know nothing about yeah. that. I wasn't, I, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't a fortunate because I went <laughs> to, uh, I went to community college first, and then I went to. Mm -hmm. University of Central Florida here in Orlando for like a semester. And then I went to, then I went to uh, Full Sail University. And yeah, so I didn't know nothing about that Greek life, but I know it's, I see when the Founders Day be coming around, I see all the posts and all that stuff be going on. So <laughs> I know there's something special about it. Talk to me about what was, what it's like to be a part of a sorority and like how that has shaped you and kind of the way you build relationships? Um, personally, it really shaped me as far as like networking and just getting, it's kind of like a second family for me because yeah, I yeah, have a yeah. brother organization, Phi Beta Sigma. So right. um, it was, especially me being young and in college, because I was like 17 when I went to college. So, you know, Same. you don't know nothing about life. Same, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was 17 when we graduated. Yeah. Yeah. So just having that connection with people and, you know, having the sisters and your big sisters and your big brothers, it's, it kind of helps uh, navigate me through college life. And then with my line sisters, like we still, you know, have a great relationship today. So we're like still calling each other, getting on each other's nerves. And, yeah. you know, it's like a lifelong bond. Yeah. And, you know, professionally, people can, you know, use that bond to, you know, help you. You know, yeah. people are here to help as far as like getting jobs and you know getting ideas and you know just helping you professionally so it's sure. like a good balance like personally and professionally and just greek life being with around the divine nine on the yard and like the parties and yeah. that show you know the probate shows and that you know yeah healthy camaraderie between different greek organizations sure. you know that that's you know some extra bonus that comes with it as well so it's it's one of those lifelong things that you continuously build, you can continuously benefit off of. For sure, it's a very that's the HBCU, right? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shannon, Shannon Sharp, Shannon Sharp, <laughs> Shannon Sharp went there. Yes. You know, uh, yeah, yeah, man. Um, 
HBC, there's something special about because I never been went to one, but it's just something special. It's nothing like it. Yeah, it's I, nothing I, I, like that's it. what I hear. Like it's just, and you see it now what Deion Sanders is doing over at uh, Jackson State. Right, yeah, how he was able to get the number one. It's going to change the game, like I said. Um, with these new NIL name and likeness uh deals, these these that so the big, the bigger schools are going to some of these athletes are going to want to go to HBCUs now because they're like, Look, Deion Sanders could still get me to the NFL. Like, if you're playing football, yep. he has a relationship like Sanders, to get but... me to the NFL. <laughs> You know what I mean? Because ultimately, these guys want to play on Sundays. Majority of the, but let's say the ones that don't end up to the NFL. Like I said, there's still that community and the people mm-hmm. who understand. People say about the thing about HBCUs is you have people that look like you and understand right. what what it means to be a black person in this country and the things yeah. that we have to go through as black people. Because don't I don't care what anybody says. Nobody will ever understand what that's like. Right, and our culture. Yeah, because uh, we went to high right? school. Yeah. Go ahead. When I was in high school, um, the majority of my teachers were white. Right. Um, like middle school, high school, elementary school. That's kind of what I dealt with, and it was a good thing to have that diversity. Yeah. But going to college at you know HBCU and then having black teachers, they were able to like really kick some real game to you. Like if you yeah. go into these corporations, this is what you, this is what's gonna happen. This is how you need to be. This is how you need to act. You know, um, so it was good to have that, especially transitioning from being a student to adulting, quote unquote. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm telling you because there's something. Right, because our culture, you know, I've been fortunate enough to be to visit six different countries around the world, right? And I can tell you one oh. thing is that yeah, I've been to uh I've been to Spain, I've been to Holland, which is Amsterdam, the Netherlands, India, where else have we been to? Luxembourg, which is a little small country near Germany, um France several times. Uh, where else? I think that's it. But oh, you travel, travel. Okay. Yeah, yeah I've been, it's been a few <laughs> years. Uh, probably going to head back to Amsterdam. We got to head back to uh, Amsterdam and Rotterdam this year because I work with a conference called New School Rules, which is the top urban uh, music conference. It's the largest urban music conference, international urban music conference festival in the world. Okay. So I'm a partner with them. So I bring artists from America over to Europe to perform and and kind of help to expand their global footprint. So, like, I help to find talent for the showcases and things like that. So, uh, yeah, so that's amazing, man. I just love being able to know that I can make a difference in that way. Because I, I had to figure out, if I want to be in independent music, I had to figure out how can I make a difference? How can I make my mark in the game, right? Because right. I don't have celebrity clients. That's not what I'm trying to help. I'm helping the new artists, the, the 99%. Right, that 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 is there. Everybody wants to go to the one percent, but I'm trying to help the ninety nine percent. I'm trying to because those are people that need me, right? So exactly, so those are the people that need what you do in Brass Magazine. Like that's what what you're doing so powerful because there's way more of those than there are the celebrities. You know, everybody wants to get yes. to the celebrity, but they're just most of them just won't because it's just too expensive. It's too, yeah. it, 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 call, it just is too, it's too expensive to, to do it at that level. Right. So, so yeah. So for, so for new school rules, that's, I'm so fortunate enough to have a partnership 
where like I'm like, damn, little old me made it to the, to the largest urban media conference, and I have a relationship, and they trust me. And these people I've built relationships with believe in what I do, and it's so powerful to me. So, yeah, so, but I've been fortunate to, to yeah, several places. And one thing I can tell you about our culture is that it resonates everywhere in the world. It's the only culture that does. Anywhere you go, people, they love Black culture. They may not, they may yeah. not love the plight that we go through, as black folk, yeah. <laughs> they love our culture. Yeah, because it, it, being black is cool. Yeah, being black is fun because we the trendsetters. We started that. We created everything, damn it. So <laughs> people like that. Whether they want to admit it or not, it is what it. <laughs> yeah, they don't want to admit it, but we can see it. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. So yeah, man. So there's something special about. I'm sure about seeing people that look like you that can have real conversations, you know, and again, we're going to see a lot of people going to HBCUs more now, you know, and, and seeing the value in that, you know, so that's what's up. That, that's what's up. Hold on, let's pull it up. Um, and then you went and you got an MBA entertainment management from American yes. Intercontinental University. And yeah, so, that's um, when I moved to Atlanta. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's important. You know, I have a degree in in, in entertainment business for full sale. So I think it's so important to have to have a really good sense of the business side of our industry because this is a really tough, tough industry to be in. It's a really, really hard business. Absolutely. And having that <laughs> education it helped me in so many areas of what I'm yeah. doing. Um, you know, in wearing many hats, like being an author, it helps me there, being a model, being an actress, yeah. um, you know, starting Crash Magazine and even doing like freelance writing or freelance marketing, digital marketing. Um, those degrees like really come in handy. Like people talk shit about, you know, going to college and you spend yeah. all this money, but it really helps in the long run. For me, it has. It's really been very valuable yeah. um, for me and my uh, endeavors. That's good. No, that's good. No, I feel you. I mean, I think, I think if you have a really good goal, what you want to do, like, cause there's some careers and things that you need to go to college for, you know, you just need right. to, like, if you want to go be a doctor or a lawyer, like, yeah, you need to go to school. Yeah. I'm gonna need my doctor to go to college. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, but my thing is, I think in this economy, we're so much, we're like in a gig economy now. So like, that's why you, I think you see trades that are much, much more lucrative just because of the way we are. Because most of the time, you're not going to get a job on for one company for 40 years to retire anymore. I and mean, them days is done. Oh, no, that's, that's a done deal. Them days is done. Like, so people people used to say one time where if you had five jobs, you know, a job in a couple of years, all you want, you can't hire you. But that's just the way it is now. You, you do the gig till the gig is up, yeah. and then you go to the next gig. And that's just how it is. And over time... Oh, I have I've had a career for the last thirty years. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's that's how right. it, that's how it is now. You know, so yeah, and that's why because yeah. I work in corporate, so that I understand that, um, and it actually helps in even like trying to raise up your salary because like one company is not going to pay you what another company is going to pay you for right. that a lot amount of time. That's just that is what it is. You know, a lot of companies they get comfortable in like the quote unquote good workers and they don't really value you. So right. you have to go where you're valued. And you know, it's nothing yeah. wrong with that. Absolutely. That is true. 
It's true. And you look at the end of the day, they're going to find somebody to replace you. I was told a friend, told a friend of mine, look, ask, ask for the number you want. And if you get a better opportunity, you leave. They'll replace you. It's corporate. They don't give a shit. You know, you think they're going to care. Hey, don't put, put another feel out there on one of these sites and get somebody right back in and take the job you just left. It's all do all we gotta do is best yeah, for you. Yeah, probably for cheaper. Yeah. All you <laughs> gotta do is best for you at the end of the day. Cause that's that's what matters. Cause they're mm-hmm. gonna their corporation, they're gonna be fine. They're gonna find somebody that's gonna take the same job that you just left. You know, you can't worry about loyalty or COVID. You can't worry about that crap, man. Especially these days. You know what I mean? You, no, because they're not loyal to you. So yeah, they're not. They're gonna get rid of you, you know, as as soon as they possibly can. You know, so I'm I'm all for doing what's best for you, you know, um, for sure. So I want to get into a little bit about like some of your stuff as a creative, so as a model. So like starting your model, and I, I've I've seen your photos, you know, absolutely amazing, <laughs> absolutely amazing stuff. Thank you. Um, Thank you. So Thank you started you. as a back. You started really in the ATL. So you did a lot of mm-hmm. runway shows and fashion presentations and some. A lot of digital print. So talk to me about this between the stuff you did on the runway and the show and then the digital print stuff. Like I've always heard there's a big difference between both, between the, the, the runway um, or is it not? Yeah, it's, it's definitely a difference. Um, So I started with just, uh, it was this thing called meetup. So I will do these meetup uh, group thing outings with amateur photographers and amateur models. They'll come out and you can just basically practice posing <laughs> learning how right. to be in front of the camera right. and that kind of go it goes back to what you said earlier about building relationships and networking right. so I was building relationships and networking and I would work with these photographers and I would submit the pictures to different magazines um, to be featured and that actually jogged uh, the idea of starting Brash magazine because all of these magazines and blogs were featuring me. So I'm like, okay, so how can I turn this into something and create my own? And um, a lot of times I did get rejected with that. So it's like, you know, if they don't want to put me in a magazine, I'll start my own magazine and like put myself in there. So so that kind of was like the, kind of like the, like the uh, conception of Brash Magazine. And I was going to ask that later on. So see, you beat me to the punch. Okay. Yeah, we can get a little bit more into that. But um, the difference with uh, runway shows and print modeling, um, for me, there wasn't a lot of money in the runway shows because I'm only like five, five and a half, five, six. And I remember meeting with a potential agency. um, And she was like, you know, if you were five, eight, we would have whisked you off to New York and you could have been working and doing all this and da, 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 da. So it, it was kind of very limiting uh, right. with the runway modeling, but print modeling, commercial modeling like that kind of opened up so many doors. I was you know, featured in different magazines from, you know, the U.S., the U.K., Ireland, um, Czech Republic, like, you oh, know, wow. all, it opened all type of opportunities for me to just get that exposure. Right. And, you know, that also just kind of opened up a door like what else can I do with this and then I went into acting so yeah we're gonna talk about that <laughs> it's always yeah. like that next step you know what can I do with it what can I do with it next uh, you, you are so dope like you <laughs> are so so dope man like, thank honestly, you like I, I love you you're so so dope oh that's so sweet you know you're amazing <laughs> I'm telling you like for sure um 
Yeah, so speaking of acting, so started out doing some background stuff because I see what's I see like a lot of people like they move to the ATL or like they do extra work, right? And like especially now yeah. with these Netflix shows, like my artist Chatty Boom that I work with, uh, I manage her, and then my sister Latrice, like so like Latrice is one who really talked talk to me about like the work that you, how you get paid. They be having you on set for like 12, 13 hours. Like mm-hmm. as an extra, and, like yeah, and you get paid peanuts. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But but she was doing it. Latrice was doing it full time because she would be on set every day because she's like one of nomads. Yeah. She just stay. She be she be doing. She be booking. So she be on set every single day, doing whatever she gotta do. So she was basically yeah. doing that full time for a little while. Uh, as as uh, yeah, it's basically a great way to kind of get that introduction into yeah. you know acting and entertainment. Um, yeah. But you have to put an expiration date on that sure. because a lot of these um, casting uh, extras, casting company, you know, they'll keep you on if you, which yeah. is a great thing if you build a good rapport with them. But if you kind of want to further your career in that, it's best to um, kind of venture into independent films and independent right. um, productions as now, well. Did you go to acting school? Um, I would take classes. Yeah, I definitely take classes here and there, um, yeah. especially in Atlanta. Um, just working with different acting schools and different acting coaches. So, right, yeah, right. yeah. My sister, she's an actress in New York. My yeah, sister, yeah that, she's um, an actress. You know, she's she's a filmmaker. She does. She's doing comedy. She's doing stand up comedy now too, which is pretty oh, cool. Wow. Yeah, she's pretty funny. I got to you. Like, she, you yeah. know, she's she's pretty hilarious. <laughs> and stand up comedy is hard. Stand up yeah. comedy is hard because there's no gray area. Either you're funny or you're not. Right, yeah, so right. Hard, yeah, 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 one yeah. thing about shooting the shit with your friends and making yeah. them laugh, but then standing in front of people you don't know and trying to tell a story and like right. execute it in a way yeah. to make people laugh and make it funny, that is it's not- a craft, man. It really is a craft, you know. You know, shout out to Bob Saget that just passed away. You know, we've I lost know. so many. La- uh-huh. I mean, we we time of this recording, you know, we're 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 right in the end of January. Uh, this will be out in a few weeks, uh, but. We've lost legends, like, right. like legends. You're like Sidney Poitier, Betty White, Bob Saget, uh, Andre Talley, the fashion icon. Yeah. So many, I mean, it's just crazy, man. The 2022, this kind of started out. Um, this started out the same way in 2020, I feel like. You know, Kobe Kobe passed away pretty early on in the year, and then it was just, just a shit show after that. Yeah, so and it also I, reminds me of 2016 because we lost a lot of legends in 2016. Yeah, like right. Prince, right? Foley, yeah, like so many people. So it's kind of like that cycle, and you, you know, you understand, especially with like Betty White and Sydney Poitier. Yeah, they were older, um, so it's like you kind of yeah, yeah but it's older. like we, yeah. we still want to hold on to them, you know. Right. <laughs> Right, but Bob Saget, you know, being he was actually in Orlando, he had just finished his set, went wow. back to his hotel. He was right downtown Orlando at the Ritz Carlton, you know, doing a set. Came off the stage feeling great. So imagine this: you're feeling great off the yeah. off the stage. You're like, I'm excited. I'm back doing stand up again. And you go to sleep, and you go to your hotel room, and you go to sleep, and you die in your sleep. Like, yeah, you know, that's. 
And his, I guess his, his family could not reach him. So they were like calling the hotel, like, is he okay? They were doing welfare check. Right. And they checked on him and he was he was done, he was gone. He was cold and it's like, man, it's like and 65 is young. You know, my dad yeah. about to be 65. So that's 65 is young. So but I what was saying was uh can you hear me? Yeah. Okay, good. I think what they were saying was he has they think he died of a heart attack or stroke. And I think oh. a lot of people in his family, a lot of males in his family has had, had heart attacks around the same age. So it might be it might be hereditary. Who knows? It could have been just what it is. You know, sometimes it is what it is, you know. And yeah, those heart issues are Nothing you could do about that, man. So yeah, so you did some film work and some so now you get into the, the, the bigger projects. And you did some stuff for TV One, right? On a, what did you do on TV One? Yeah, on a, I was on a crime document. Um, Justice by Any Means, yeah. Yeah, that one. Yeah. Um, so, so I was wondering, you know, so, 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 so I don't know if you could talk about it, but like, so how do you get on the type of show like that? Like, they tell you the story, like, how does that, how does that work? Because I mean, I watch, I watch those shows. So like, so basically, they they give you kind of like a synopsis of what's going on um, right. with the story. Some of the names do get changed around just to protect you yeah. know, people. Yeah. Um, and I guess for legal reasons, I right, right, right. scope of that. <laughs> um, right. But they give you a synopsis of the story. They tell you, you know, this is like this person, you know, was killed and this is how it happened. And, right. you know, these people did it. So. <clears throat> When, you know, acting it out, you kind of have to do a lot of um, improv. I know for um, the episode I did, it's like mostly a lot of improv because you're not really speaking or yeah. saying lines on camera, sure. but you're just, it's mostly like just acting it out. So you have Definitely. to kind of yeah, do yeah, a lot right. of yeah. facial expressions, body language. Um, you're speaking to the person, like your scene partner, but, you know, of course that part isn't recorded. So you have to kind of like, you know, play along, <laughs> right, to, right, right, you know, right. Execute it and just make the story look so dramatic and real. Yeah, but um, it, it's it's kind of creepy. I know for me because like this stuff happens in real life. Yeah, so like I'm really like playing <laughs> something out that just happened in real life, and it's like this is a murder, and you know we're doing this for entertainment purposes. But it's like a different documentary. But I love crime documentaries. Like yeah, me too. Yeah, I will sit there and binge them all day. <laughs> uh, me too. It's something you know, there's something about, about true crime that's just fascinating because you're like, okay, why would what makes somebody want to do something like this? Right. That's what fascinates it for me. And that's why I like it. You know yeah, I, mean? I always I always want to look for the motive, like what what yeah. would make a person want to do like it was life that bad or was the relationship exactly. that bad? Especially that the ones where they try to kill you out. for the life insurance policy. Uh, <laughs> get the, you know <laughs> oh my goodness i oh, watch uh, deadly women yeah and it's like all these wives just killed their husbands for this life insurance and it's like only four hundred thousand dollars like yeah. come on. <laughs> you don't think eventually they're gonna find eventually like they you like you're not gonna get away with it you very rarely no. ever get away with it i mean and no. it's just like but i guess if people are in tough situations i mean you do desperate well, I can't stuff. Bad, man. <laughs> yeah, when you when you're when you're in a when you're in a tough situation and you feel like life is over for you and you know 
you really will do des people do desperate shit, man. When they look, mm-hmm. when they think it when they think they have no other way, <laughs> you know, people will do desperate stuff. That and then crazy. like I I watch shows and I think there's a show on Vice called How like How to Rob a Bank or whatever. These, these, oh man, every, <laughs> these regular people end up robbing banks, right? And so they get away with it the first couple first couple, and then they like they just keep thinking they're gonna get away with it. So at some point as a criminal, you make a mistake. You hear me? At some yeah. point, you think you have it all. At some point, then that's what the, the law folks are they're, they're counting on. Okay, they're gonna fuck up. At some point, they're gonna make a mistake. They're gonna do something dumb, and that's where we're gonna get them. You know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know? Actually, um, sidebar: I used to like date a guy who used to rob banks, and he. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Wow. That's interesting. Yeah, have money. Like this is before, like this is before we started dating. But like he would tell me about how he used to rob banks, and then one time he got they picked him up because they found a piece of his fingerprint on the ransom note. It's like you didn't want to take the note with you when you right. left with the money. Like right, that right. <laughs> interesting. But then I think that you know, again, people have when people have life is about experiences, man, and so. It's tough. It's easy for us to look at this and like, why would somebody do that until we're in that situation? And I yeah, think, and I think you think differently once you actually, okay, what are my options here? Like, what are you like, you know, I'm in so much, I'm in so much debt that I don't think I'm ever going to get out of it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I can easily change our lives. We're, we're a hundred something thousand dollars in debt and, you know, I could go try to get these 50, 60, 80 racks or whatever, knock down this debt, or, you know, and you really think, okay, you know, and so, but most of the time, <laughs> it doesn't end up it don't end well. <laughs> being what, what you think it's going to be. So, <laughs> not at all. Interesting. But yeah, I mean, a lot of a lot of people like true crime. It's just so fascinating about true crime shows that I, I think people just like. It just, that's why people do them. That's why people do these documentaries because people are interested in people's stories. You know, like when Ray Carruth, when he uh, killed his his girlfriend at the time, and his son ended up having CP, and uh, and I tell people me having cerebral palsy, and this this young man, he's like twenty two now. Mm-hmm. You can tell that it affects his motor skills and the physical. Like for me, it only affects. The physical, the the lower half of my body, for the most part, right. And I'm very fortunate that it only, you know, that I have full range of motion, and you know, I can pretty much talk and speak normal things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, it's tough actually because I got I when I, I like thinking about this the other day. When I this is a little bit of sidebar. Uh, when I approach relationships, so. In, in, in dating relationships, right? It's harder for me because I know I'm at a disadvantage. I hate, just, just call it what it is, right? Mm-hmm. I know I'm at a disadvantage then because I just am. It just is what it is. Like, I've come to the point in my life where you just have, it's black and it's, it's black and white. This is what it is. I'm at a disadvantage, so I've got to approach it from a whole different perspective, not to prove that I'm a good person, but to prove my value. Right. right? I'm just, you know, it is just what, as much as that sucks to admit, it just is what it is, and it's it's hard because it's like I don't feel like like I've never felt that I should ever have to date somebody with a disability. Because I'm like I live a normal life. 
Yeah. And I also understand why people who have disabilities date people with disabilities because there's a there's a common bond there that you both understand. That being said, I never felt like that's something I wanted to do. But it has affected me because when I meet a woman, usually, you know, they start out being open to it. And then when they really sit back and think about it, I don't, I think they get a bit apprehensive, if that makes sense. I got you. And that's, you know, and it's been tough for me because I'm a good person, you know? So, and I, you know, and I know the value that I bring. And I feel like for me, because most, a lot of women look at men as protectors and providers. It's what they do, right? It's in your DNA as a woman to look at a man like that. Yeah. So looking at me, you have to look at it from another angle. Okay, let's figure out how do we how do we how do we build this from a different angle? So I said, okay, well, I'm really big on emotional support. And I think that's important because a lot of when I talk to, they're like, you know, the guy he protected and he provided for me, but he really wasn't there emotionally. And I and, 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 right. but then I think too. Some of these women who want the guy that's going to be the protective provider, they're going to be out here grinding. So you might not have time to sit around and be emotional for you all the time. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so some of you got to be understand. You can't have you can't you can't have it you can't have it all the way. And that's why I try to talk about this bit of awareness. I want people to realize, like, don't dismiss somebody like me who still brings value. It'll just look different. You know what I mean? Yeah. But, but it's hard. I don't lie to you. Like I've always been a popular guy, but 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 um, relationships for me have been very hard because I feel like I gotta prove myself ten times over because of what up until most recently. I think most recently, can I be standing on? I'm on the dating apps. I'm on all of them. I said all <laughs> the apps. No, I'm being real. I'm on all the apps, right? So. And I'm the type of guy where a lot of there's a lot of fuckboys on these apps. A lot of them. You preaching to the choir. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They tell, oh, yeah, so many fuckboys. I said, well, I'm not that. So <laughs> I, I always try to lead with the with, with, with being part of the solution, right? So I try to, you know, try to always make sure like I'm I'm coming at it from a place where like they see my personality and things like that. And that seems to have helped a little bit, but still, you know, it, it's tough. I don't know we on the sidebar, but you know, you're a friend of mine, so we're just chatting. But, That's fine. But, you know. <laughs> and, then and that segues into like uh, the book series I wrote, Heartbreak Diaries. That yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so, you know, um, it's been tough. It's been tough for me. <laughs> And people never will never know what it's like to live my life. Like I have a roommate, he has a disability as well. He has spinal, he's in a wheelchair, but he's not as outgoing as I am. So he's not as in tune with his feelings as, as I am. So now he feels the same thing as I feel because we talk about it, but him and I do, right. but I'm I don't mind expressing my feelings and say, hey, this is what it is. Cause and I want women to just know, like, don't dismiss us because of what you think you know, what you think you don't know, what you think you might be afraid of. Because most of the time, we're 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 good people. We just we want the same things everybody else wants. Right? And unfortunately, for people like me, we don't have the same advantages. I can't I can't be on my feet twenty you know 
24 hours a day. So that limits the type of jobs that I can have. You know what I mean? Like there's a lot of things that the limitations, I try to do my best to overcome them, but there's certain things that people don't have don't think about when it comes to me. So, but why do I, why should I have to be alone because of that? That's not fair. I didn't ask to be like that, to be this way, you know? At the same time, I just try to be me. I just got to be Darrell. And at the end of the day, I know I'm worth it. So I keep my head up. I keep moving. You know, that's all you can do. And you live an above average life. So you yeah. don't let anything limit you. <laughs> I, I, I refuse to. You, you've I, done I some great that, things in this world. Yeah. And I'm just so appreciative, like, of what you allowed me to share my story and as an inspiration spotlight. Like, that meant so much to me. And we talked about it earlier, uh-huh. but. I just want, yeah. want you to know how much that meant to me, that, that you allowed me to share my story and, 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 and really be an inspiration to people because, you know, I love people. And, and you know, you're awesome for that. So. Oh, thank you. Thank you're you for welcome. sharing that. You're welcome. Um, so now I want to talk about, like as an executive, like I was talking about, you know, you used to work in dig- as a digital marketer, writer, consultant, mm-hmm. and then obviously with Brass Magazine. So talk to me about like, you obviously talk about what Brash is, but like, what is, why did you, what was really, what was Brash, what was the ultimate vision of Brash other than I want to create my own publication? Like, does that make sense? Um. Yeah, uh, the ultimate vision was to just to shed light on um, talent that doesn't get the notoriety that they deserve. Um, I remember back in, I want to say 2012 or even before then, like I would turn on the radio and I hated what I heard. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, there's got to be some good, you know, shit out there that I can listen to. And then, you know, I just... Being on the internet, I found like the independent artist realm, you can say. And it's like, it's so many dope artists who don't get the shine that they need. So it started out as a blog. I would um, do like these artist spotlights, like once every couple of weeks or whatever. And then um, with me being in magazines myself, I was like, yeah, I can go ahead and start my own publication. And that's how it started. You know, it was a lot of work. I bet. Um, I bet. (laughs) A lot of work. And just fishing through different artists because, you know, you're going to get a couple of lemons, you know, in in your emails and in your inbox. So you have to make sure it's people who are really have a passion for it, who really, you know, have the drive for it, who really just are doing it because of the love of the art. And that's what I love so much about independent artists because they do it because they love it. They don't do it because they want to be famous and get rich real quick. You know, they keep grinding and no matter, you know, what the result is, they keep going. And that inspired me as well. um, Just listening to their stories and listening to, you know, their grind and how they, you know, kept their machine going with just, a shoestring budget and yeah, you know a couple. That's what, it's it, a that's what it comes down to, man. Because it's a very expensive, you know, art to be a professional yeah. uh, creative. I don't use the word recording artist because I think in this generation, the term recording artist is is really not accurate. You're a content creator. I mean, that's where it's changed, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Like you're a content yeah. creator with a focus on music, but unfortunately, the record companies what they're doing now 
is you take content creators in general and try to make them into artists. And that's the part that's like, yeah. these people don't, these, because these people at the end of the day, like, you got to be able to command the stage. You can, yeah, it's cool to make content on your phone or whatever, but at some point when you get on that stage, you got to be able to like, do a show. You got to be able to, like, people going to spend their money, like, they want to see a, right. a performance. And a lot of these TikTok artists who are on TikTok, and they're getting these huge deals with these record companies, and these artists aren't going to be around in four or five. Ain't nobody going to care. Yeah, it's... Mm. Yeah, that's just my... I try to tell people, like, there's only two types of artists. There's artists who are trendy, artists who are talented. So if you are a trendy artist, meaning you like say you're a TikTok artist, like, yeah, you're getting, you're getting success now, but what about 10 years from now? Are people still going to care about what you have going on? You know what I mean? Yeah. And right. People's attention span is so short these days, so you got yeah. to kind of keep them. Exactly. And so if you're, and if you're a talented artist... This is going to take you longer. It's just what it is. Like I tell people, if you have artists with a real message, it's just going to take you longer. And you have to be okay with that. Like you have to be okay with the fact that it's right. going to take you longer than it is sometimes to somebody who just comes up out the gate and has immediate success. Just because when you have a real gift like that, it's not always as easily, the cream doesn't always rise twice to the top when it comes to like that. So it is just going to take you a lot longer and you got to be okay with that. You know, so that's yeah. what I try to. That's why I try yeah, you to gotta be in artists. it for the fight. Yeah, you gotta. This is a marathon, man. You have to be in it, and you have to appreciate and support the supporters. You know, that's why I wanted to highlight you, just because you've done so many great things. But so many of these creative people, they don't even take the time to say thank you, right? Like, like, and support the people yeah. like yourself who are out here behind the scenes being advocates for indie artists because it's hard to find people who generally care about people who haven't done, done much. It's easy to cover the celebrities because you know what they've done, right? But to give yeah. somebody a, 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 a spotlight feature or a cover story who doesn't really have a, a huge name, it's not really beneficial for you in the magazine because you ain't like you're going to be able to sell, you ain't going to be able to make money from it, really. So mm. <laughs> you're doing it because... These magic, you know, when you come into independent artists, it ain't money to be made in that because <laughs> what do you, you can't, you can't, you can't sell, make ads, and you can't because people, people ain't checking for new artists like that. So people gotta understand, be thankful right. for, you know, people in the media and publication owners that they cover uh, independent acts because it really does, it really does matter. Um, we're almost done. So you had a company before Brash called Fearless Vision Marketing. Am I right? Yeah. Right? Um, Fearless you Vision. Still have that company? It, you, still, you still have that company? Yeah, Fearless Vision. Mm -hmm. No, not anymore. Um, it was just one of those things where uh, I actually started it when I was in college, like the oh, okay. vision of it. I was in grad school and it was kind of like um, a school project. Uh, where we were developing um, like a business plan. So that was kind of uh, the business that I developed. And then gotcha, it turned gotcha. into like a lot of things that I've done. It just kind of turned into expanding to the next thing. So like Fearless Vision was kind of like the um, uh, a baby version of Brash. So what I did with Brash with independent artists uh, with Fearless Vision, I did that with small businesses as far as right. like helping them um, get their marketing 
stuff intact and right. developing marketing plans and creative and digital marketing logos and um, things of that nature. So nice. a lot of stuff that I've done is kind of like, was like a birthing, you yeah. know, something else. And, that, and that's <laughs> awesome. That's awesome. And then we're into what, what you're really passionate about now with as an author with the with the black with your with your stuff that you do under the black dahlia pen name yes i love that what's the inspiration behind that behind behind that pen name so the pen name comes from uh the original black dahlia which is a girl named elizabeth smart it's like this old hollywood murder you gotta um google it so um she was murdered like brutally and to this day it's never been resolved right and so the thing about it that inspired me was people came forward and saying, you know, things about her, like, you know, she was a call girl or she was an escort or she wanted to be an actress and, you know, basically telling her story for her and she wasn't able to tell her own story. Uh So in adapting that pen name, um, I charged myself to tell my story, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Um, That way nobody else can have a pen and to write my story and tell my story. Um, I always say, I don't like when other people tell my business because they don't tell it right. right. So I can tell my own business. So I kind of took my business and created a book series. Of so Okay, so that's really based around kind of loosely based on stuff you've experienced. Yeah, definitely. Okay. Yeah, you know, some things, you know, I kind of imagined and turned it into, you know, right. stuff for entertainment purposes, but a lot of the stuff that's within my books I've experienced. Wow, interesting. Interesting. And your five books. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Very cool, man. Oh, yeah. Man. I recently released my fifth book, um, Replacement. That's wonderful. And how's it been how's it been received? Um, very good. Like I get uh lots of positive feedback, a lot of constructive criticism um from yeah. you know the uh author people. They you know help yeah. me out with that as well. Um and I've actually networked and was able to kind of get into a wonderful community of independent authors because everything I do is indie. I've never been signed to anything major. I never had like any big machine behind me on anything I've done. So everything I do is independent. Um, And there's a big world of independent authors and writers who don't rely on public publishing companies or, you know, anyone behind them pushing them. And you have creative control. And you can release your books whenever you want to. You can change your books whenever you want to. You know, you can kind of be on your own schedule and just tell your stories the way you want to. Of course, you know, you have to clean it up and make it readable and make it, you know, descriptive and um, entertainment for entertaining for like people who read it. Mm -hmm. But there's a lot. There's like a big underground world of independent authors out there that is so amazing. And it's such a supportive community. Um, that comes along with it. Like we had like book clubs where we read each other's books and, you know, give each other positive reviews and good feedback on it. So it's been very well received and, you know, I'm supported heavily with no, that. So I'm, I'm very your presentation, you know, because I follow it all. And, and like I said, you're just so, so <laughs> doing so many cool things. So many cool things. So before we get out of here, where can the people connect with you? How can they find you? Um, and things of that nature on social media and all that jazz, and, you know. So you can find me on Instagram, um, code name Alexina. 
Um, and you can also visit my website, alexinabrown.com. That's A-L-E-X-C-I-N-A brown.com. And you can also visit, if you want to learn more about my books, The Black Dahlia. Uh, that's T-H-E-B-L-A-K-K-D-A-H-L-I-A.com. That's wonderful. And guys, it's been a great episode. Another one of the Encourage Inspire podcast. And this is your host, Darrell Peart. Until next time, I'm out of here. Peace. Bye. Thank you.